Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Pop Culture Nerd Podcast. My name is Patrick Breen, and on today's episode, I will be joined by Paul Cherry. The Pop Culture Nerd Podcast can be found on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. And if you like the show, be sure to give us a follow at Pop Culture Nerd on Instagram for updates, or just send us an email, popculturenerd2 at gmail.com. Hope you enjoy. Paul Cherry is gearing up for a short tour of the United States and Canada and preparing for the release of an instrumental jazz album coming in September. The song you're hearing is Our Night, which is the first single coming off of that record. Paul was nice enough to chat with me extensively about that upcoming album, his experiences in the music industry, his work as a songwriter, and looks back on his previous two feature albums, Flavor and Back on the Music. Hey, Paul, how's it going? Hey, what's up, Patrick? How's it going, dude? Good, good. Thank you so much for coming on with me. No worries, man. How's it going? Good. Paul, I know you have an album coming out this fall. The first single uh, called Our Night dropped last week or just over a week ago. I'm really enjoying it so far. What can we expect uh, from this new album? You can expect instrumental jazz music. Awesome. That's all it is. It is instrumental jazz music and it is like 40 minutes and I think it kind of sounds like Paul Cherry, but I wasn't really concerned with that. I was just trying to have fun. And I gathered that this is a project you've been wanting to embark on for a long time and get this out. Um, so how did it come about the timing of putting out this instrumental jazz album? Let's see. So I was recording or I was um, I was touring with my band a lot, my live band, which consists of my friend Jojo, Noah, Roy and Nelson. And they're really great jazz players. And I was like, kind of like, I mean, my songs are pretty jazzy, but they were just mm -hmm. like so talented that I, I was thinking like, wow, you guys are pretty good. Like you guys could probably rip a jazz album. And I've never, I've always wanted to make one, but the conditions were never right. And I think I'm a musical opportunist in a lot of ways where I just see something and I'm like, yeah, this is pretty much the time to do this. Like, I don't know when I'm going to have another band, like, where everyone's gelling and getting along and, and like, down to clown. So at the end of, like, a tour or, like, a beginning of a tour, I would book a few studio days. And I would record with Noah and JoJo or by myself the demos for the album. And then we'd go into the studio and just live track it because they're so good. They don't really need to rehearse. They can just like learn it. And then like, I'll just set up everything and they'll just go. And like 10 takes later, we'll have the, the finished thing, you know? So it was only like four, four or five studio days. We did the whole album. Wow. And how did you assemble this, uh, this group of friends and musicians who are super talented jazz instrumentalists? Well, each one of each person is like its own long story, you know, because they're like my old friends, but. Basically, the short version is my drummer, Roy, I went to college with him and we've been friends for like 10 years. And my bass player, Jojo, I met him back in the day through a cover band that I used to be in. And he used to be my sub when I would want to go on Paul Cherry tour. 
But then I saw him play bass, and he was really amazing. So I asked him to be in my band. And then my key, my uh, saxophone player, I met him in the pandemic. Mm. Over on like over the internet, out of a recommendation, and we he did all the saxophone stuff on back on the music kind of remote and then i ended up having him play in the band he lives in minneapolis and then my keyboard player noah i met him out here in la like right when i moved here he moved like three months after me and he got recommended to me by a friend and he instantly was like a perfect fit and so everybody's kind of just been getting along friends and good hanging good touring and you know we're always trying to sound better and yeah well, what could be better getting to jam out with your friends make some great music and hopefully put out an album coming up soon i'm looking forward to it um how do you think that your music uh you know has evolved from on top through flavor through the most recent album then obviously now you're heading towards like a pure jazz record how do you see yourself evolving over the years or do you really i definitely do i definitely feel like I don't feel afraid to go do the things I want to do. And I hear the album like on top and it sounds like absolute chaos, brain fart, like whatever. The first thing I thought of is cool. Like whatever. I just want to learn how to record and I just want to be a part of a music scene. So yeah, I'll make whatever. Then I heard the album flavor, which is a reaction to that. And it's just like, okay, I'm going to make sure everything is exactly perfect. It's going right. to be so restrained. And, but there's actually a lot of soul in that album, I think. And then the album back on the music is even more like, oh my God, I'm absolutely anal. And I am a freak for clean, steely dance style production. And I just want to be able to say to myself that I can do that. Really challenging. It was like my, it's like my challenge to myself is making that album um and i hear like a guy who's getting even more anal and now the jazz album i hear like absolutely not anal absolutely not you know it sounds relaxed it sounds like somebody who had fun with their friends it doesn't sound like overworked mm -hmm. it sounds like regularly worked you know like work to the point where it's done in a timely fashion and finished and out the door and i feel like that was the most fun album to make of all of them the jazz one I mean, to be honest, not having to write lyrics was pretty lit because writing lyrics is a horrible, can be horrible, but it also can be beautiful. But <laughs> um, I just like, since moving out here to LA, you kind of have to pick up the pace of it. And it requires you letting, giving yourself more grace and personal, you know, ability to let things slide in a way that you still like would, you still would stand behind i don't even know how to put it like i can't spend four years on an album anymore you know like i just can't so the things had to change i want to be a consistent artist so i got to put out more music and kind of just more fun to put out music faster so i just feel like it sounded like someone who was having a lot of fun less fun less fun a lot of fun again <laughs> So you mentioned being a perfectionist sort of and really structuring yourself, um, you know, working on those albums really hard and making sure they're tightly wound and, you know, perfect in every way. How did you address that within yourself going into this record? Did you have to really say to yourself, like, yeah, I'm not going to 
uh, make a concerted effort to over analyze every little thing on this. I'm going to let the other players sort of have their way with it. I mean, obviously it's jazz. So, you know, there is some individualism among the instrumentalists, but did you really have to kind of work on that? I don't know if I did because I don't know. I think I was, I've been in such a rejection stage of that other, of the over anal perfectionist mm. mindset that I was like, just so stoked to, to not. And I wanted to mix, I wanted to keep this album really cheap and not pay like an expensive mixing engineer. Yeah. So the challenge is like, they they took a different shape, you know, like the challenges before and that back on the music and flavor album those were different challenges than this album this album the challenge was making sure i had fun and saved money and making sure that i i mean i was going more for like more or less like rip not ripping off but like going exactly for a certain style where mm -hmm. my own music out pop albums are more like me trying to make my own style happen so when you're just kind of like going for like, I want like smooth jazz sound, you know, like that's more fun. And it's like a little easier because it's just so much just right there to like listen to and reference. And you're not like feeling like you're trailblazing like new ground. Mm -hmm. So it was really fun, dude. I like, I really have completely 180 on whatever I was doing before. And I think the next Paul Cherry album is going to be a lot more loose as well. Very cool. Well, I totally understand that, that sort of uh, reverse reaction and wanting things to be a bit more loose. And and I'm looking forward to it. Like I said, um, you uh, obviously just turning back the clock a minute to flavor and to, to back on the music, as you mentioned, when you go into records like that, um, is there a set theme in mind sort of at the start? And do you set parameters or can you kind of develop that as you come up with melodies or you start to write lyrics? Um, what was the process behind those two albums? For those two albums, you you really just wait around for lightning to strike in terms of lyrical or musical uh, inspiration. So that's why they take like four years because every song is really dope on them. But like maybe I would get three of those songs or four per year. Mm. that are like really good and then i'd scrap one of them so then you get three years of three to four good songs per year then you have a, a great album of 10 great songs but that just takes too long dude like that's kind of how it was going it was just like i did have kind of lyrical themes in mind but and so that would mean that would, that would box a lot of stuff in it would say like Okay, well, if I wrote a song that doesn't exist in this box and I wrote a song out here, mm -hmm. well, this can't be on the album then. Right. So and it's if you set the focus like that, I, I can't believe how disciplined I actually was when I think about it. And how like weirdly I created this box. But then you're living in a box. That's the thing. Is like uh -huh. it's kind of cool to like create a box because then you're setting really hard parameters for what works, what doesn't, what's gonna what what you've decided is like the the vibe but then every day you're just like beating yourself up that things aren't fitting in the box or my box is too small or you know just all these problems get created that in your own mind and and i think like there's a, a, everybody has self-limiting behaviors or or ways in which they can hold themselves back 
and I started to realize that like I was going to finish that back on the music album with the box I'd created, but then I told myself in the middle of it that I wouldn't do it anymore mm. because it's so miserable. Kind of. Like it's yeah. also in the pandemic. I was doing that by myself and my two friends just like head down. And uh, I don't know, man, it's just like, I know people that keep making albums like that and they're not that stoked. The other thing is then you work on this thing every day for four years and then no amount of streams or critical acclaim could match the um, short of like a best new music and a sold out tour like that could match the mm. it leads itself to being let down you know like i worked so hard on this and nobody cares and then that leads to being jaded right and then being jaded leads to quitting music right so then now when you embark on you know tour dates and you have to start you know assembling your band to play those tracks that you came up with with your head down you know in the box in mid-pandemic is that a stressful experience or is that kind of the reverse you start to open it up to an audience and maybe get a different feel for some tracks you wrote mostly the band part was pretty fun and unstressful but the singing part was really stressful and has been stressful because i realized that i'm not the best live vocalist of all time and I've really had to work on that and take, I've been taking vocal lessons and my voice is so finicky and I just become anal about something else. So now I'm really anal about my live singing. Mm. Like there's never, it'll never end, dude. There'll always be something I'm just like really focused on and just like really critical of. So know? I am, I would imagine while you're writing, there's a lot of writing something on a piece of paper, crushing it up and throwing it into the trash bin or maybe the metaphysical trash bin. Um, yeah. Would you ever think to to empty that trash bin and take a look at some of those mismatches on the, the previous albums and see if you could kind of reassemble them? I always try to do that with some ideas that like kick around. Like there was a lot of scraps from the, the Flavor album that I turned into an instrumental jazz tape called, or I don't know if it was jazz, but... There's a tape called Java. Hmm. It's like out on SoundCloud and YouTube. You can look up Java, Paul Cherry, Mix 1 and 2. That's kind of what I do with the scraps. But with the back on the music scraps, I've been trying to like pull them back for this new album, but I just get like, they get soured on me. They're like, they didn't work. Hmm. They're never going to work. And I'd rather just make a new song because making new songs is more fun old ones work and like it just brings me back to the confusing mindset of like oh, this isn't working but i really want it to work but why isn't it working so much easier for me to just like go play a new chord progression and the new thing is exciting you know so how about collaborations i know you just recently uh, worked on a few songs with a collaboration and are you looking around at contemporaries in music right now and is there anybody that you're listening to admiring or maybe someone you want to work with what's been your process of uh, you know trying to escape that box you talked about when you're working with uh, with a partner who has sort of equal weight in what you're writing yeah I'm, I feel like um, in Paul Cherry I used to have a a band member who I'm I'm still friends with but not as much anymore and and he used to like really like consider himself my writing partner and in a lot of ways he was but in a lot of ways he wasn't and I kind of like wised up to that and I was like dude like unfortunately as much as I like want 
called Cherry to be a band of equal members. Like, it can't be because it's just me and I make all the decisions and I have to write every lyric. And, you know, some of the instrumental choices can be helped along the way, but a lot of times I'm doing like most of everything. Jojo, my bass player, is really supportive of being like there in the right ways and not in the wrong ways. But I kind of moved out to LA two years ago because I was really interested in songwriting collabing and I got signed to this publishing company called Cobalt that would set me up with a lot of songwriting sessions and to this day dude like every week I have a session Monday through Friday I'm pretty much meeting with people every single weekday from like noon to six with someone different and my calendar is almost too full for me to even have time to work on my own album at the moment which I'm trying to reel back in and like do less of but it's so addicting because it's so low stakes when you're writing for someone else you think of so many more lyrics that you wouldn't have to sing yourself you think of so many more directions that you could go than you know paul cherry's one lane that i stay in or whatever and uh it's just a blast like i've been working with this girl marcy you know her her name's marta her artist name is marcy We've been doing some out tracks for her album. She has a really great album that came out last year. I've been working with this girl, Michi Guerrero, a little bit. She's cool. I'm working with, I wrote a song with this girl, Jordana, who's awesome. Mm. I think that that's a, a song with her might go on my new album. Um, I really like working with female singers a lot. Um, I just get a great joy from working with a really amazing female vocalist that's a really great singer and can just execute be- like singing beautifully and maybe they don't play all the instruments but that's the 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 fun of the pairing is like I can play the instruments and kind of produce the track and they can sing it and we can do the lyrics together so fun. it's just really fun yeah that last tv girl album I know she was on and uh and yeah I discovered her through that I know she's so cool and um really young and really talented. And you know that the um the collab I did with Kate Bollinger, I think that was like initially just supposed to be like a songwriting session for her. And it became like the songs just they felt more like a collab, you know, and like that's why that kind of came out like that. Like it was just it was just another day like going to a session and working on music and it's just you hope that one you go you I mean you go to 50 and only one song is good but then that Mm. one song is really good you know maybe not 50 but it's kind of how it works So do you think that those writing sessions for others actually stimulates and helps your own writing? Kind of. It kind of does. It kind of detracts. Uh-huh. Kind of takes away from. But also, But also, like, I think sitting around and thinking of lyrics every day, sitting around and coming up with a new chord progression every day, it either, like, builds confidence 
it like builds confidence and and skill to a point and then you start to tip over and you start going well what am i doing dude i'm like writing the same thing over and over or like i don't see the point anymore you know like it's kind of a tricky slope so you have to constantly like i mean creativity has to be like constantly shifting and it has to, it can't be the same thing every day or or the creativity mm-hmm. itself becomes uncreative right so you have to really like be you have to be clever with yourself to like keep it exciting is there ever a jealousy factor where you write something just great and you almost wish that you had kind of saved it for yourself or is that something that doesn't really happen because you're putting yourself in like their mindset and their like what they want the song to be about no i have always i've worked on jealousy in my life as like a negative character trait that i wanted to get rid of you know you you see something in yourself that you're like oh i don't like that i need to work on that yeah and i had like a, t- a phase in my life where i was extremely jealous of a few individuals and since overcoming like just working through that i just i don't really get jealous anymore i got jealous the other day for the first time in a few years when i found out that one of my friends bought a house in la and i was like and they're like young they're a few years younger than me and it was from music money and i was like wow that's incredible dude you know congrats live the dream but then i walked away and i was like wow i actually feel pretty jealous but then it was like gone in you know on one night i woke right. up the next day and i was like all right we're good i'll get there one day maybe in 10 years but um that's kind of like getting it's like kind of like why would i be jealous i helped write this song and i'm getting writing credit and if the song pops and bangs then i'll get paid you know it's kind of right a lot of times i'm just like it's like hell yeah dude we got a banger i mean it's actually pretty hard to get some when you the thing is that you write these songs every day but to take them to the finish line and get them to come out on spotify takes a lot of there's a lot of uh roadblocks that are like kind of weird ones like so you write the song and it's a great song but we only got halfway through it and the chorus is amazing the first verse is amazing but then if you don't really finish the whole thing people don't tend to do homework out here so Mm -hmm. they don't probably finish it or if the production isn't right or if the music isn't necessarily right i've gotten hung up dude i've had i've gotten hung up on i've had a song not make it to the finish line because um one of the words in the song sounded oh my god i don't even know how to put this it's like we had the oh my god i don't even i can't i don't know if i can even say there's a word in the song that is not a swear word but in the way that it was being phrased uh-huh um i showed it to somebody with the artist and they were like whoa what did you just say and they thought that we said the n-word but it was like just another word that sounded like the n-word in i never heard it like you're making this thing and you're just like oh yeah that's a clever lyric and then somebody comes in and they're like oh, this is dope, this is dope, you know, listening to this, and they're like, whoa, what'd you say? And then they like, go back, and like, oh, dude, it totally sounds like that. And then wow. they couldn't think of another word that would make the lyric as good, because the lyric was really cool, 
and the whole song didn't come out because of that like the whole wow. thing it was like a banger chorus like it was with a pretty popping artist and the whole thing just dropped right there because it was like nope we're not even getting close to even you know and i was i was also down like no wait if, if we can't come up with a better lyric yeah. you know it dies i've had songs not come out because the mix never got there and like there's they're like i can't hear it i can't hear the vision because the mix is bad and i've had songs not come out because um the artist is like this is gonna be great for my album and then they're like i'm actually kind of switching directions and you're like okay well i don't know how many days i have to like retool this thing for your vision change that i don't understand you know so and then I've had things not come out because of um, labels blocking it and people being like, well, this is pretty cool, but like, um, it's just not right right now. The label's blocking it. And you like, dude, like, so to me, just wow. a song coming out at all, one that I worked on is a success. Yeah. Even if it gets 2000 streams, it's just like, oh my God, amazing. I can't believe it came out. That's so unbelievably frustrating. <laughs> yeah, it is. But you kind of get used to it. Yeah. And then you kind of like don't expect anything to happen anymore. And like when they do happen, you, it's just like, oh, that's amazing, you know? And I just kind of do these songwriting sessions as practice in a lot of ways. So over the years, have there been have there been a number of battles with producers or with labels, with any kind of management? And how do you like what's the best way i guess for a young artist if you're speaking to them to find their best path to dealing with that the best path to dealing with it is to be on the winning side of it <laughs> to be an artist that's popping and has the control that's all you i mean if i if you're if you're not popping and you don't have control you're at the whim of someone else's team you're um you're giving up to other people's desires um, in an effort to like advance your own career can be a complete mess. It can be completely like, you know, soul grinding. Mm -hmm. But um, I mean, that's why a lot of people don't do this. And that's also why people think that like TikTok songs going to save their life or something. I don't know. Like I, to be honest, I'm feeling really grateful and I get to work with a lot of talented people and I smile and I live in a cool house and I get to live where I want to live and make music every day. I'm like not jaded at all. I I recognize how these things can jade some or make someone jaded, but I'm stoked. Like I'm still stoked. Yeah. No, I kind I, of like a I totally get you that. wanna you wanna just not let yourself get jaded because you wanna stay in the game if you're doing music. And there's some million, I mean, everyone's different. So whatever that means is different for everybody. For me, like, I would never teach music because every time I've tried, there'll be a student that just doesn't care and they'll kind of kill the love of music. I'm like, well, why am I wasting time on you? You know, I don't want to teach you because you don't care. You're you're killing my love of music. Um, sometimes working on songs I don't like for a long period of time, I've done a, a stint where I was just mixing any song that I could for money because I needed money. So I would, the fans would flood the inbox with their tracks here. Can you mix this? And I would charge a hundred dollars and I would spend way too much time on everyone. Cause I wanted it to be good. 
but that was killing my love of music because I didn't like these songs. Like I didn't actually like the songs. I just like needed money and I wanted to grow my skill. But you're in, I don't know, like just mixing songs you don't like isn't a good way to, you know, keep mm-hmm. stoked. So, I mean, I've traded, I've had to trade up a lot of money opportunities to stay stoked. And I just kind of like hold out for the right opportunities. Right now I've been remixing a lot for, for cash. Mm remixing is so fun because it's like it's whatever i want it to be and then if they don't like it they don't have to use it right that's cool well it's so tough it's like anything that is a passion that then turns into something that needs to be you know for money or for work it becomes work i mean obviously like um you know i've been in i've had radio jobs where i've gone into it and just been so stoked to like be on air but then after you know a couple months of like producers talking to me or you know somebody feeding me info or telling me i did something that i can't do it becomes work and you come into it and wanting some sort of freedom so how do you i guess one way to of course balance that is to be able to put out a a jazz album with some great friends and really get to you know blow off steam in that way but is that something that over the years have you found outlets that are just where you can purely do something for the passion of it and it and it can sort of reinvigorate you because as you said I can I can totally see someone whether they're in pop culture whether they're in even like an athlete doing something in in sports like I can see someone becoming jaded because it becomes work their passion yeah I think so I think we all like really admire our favorite artists or the ones that seem like they're always having fun. And it, it, we, I don't know. We like, how do I put this? Like we use our favorite artists as like a perfect version mirror of who we want to be or something. Like you want to see yourself in your favorite artists and you want your favorite artists to like be like so talented and also be so fun or something or depending on where you're at in your life. Yeah. And like, I just know that I just know that it's really hard to have a lot of fun all the time. It's actually like a big, it's very difficult and it's a challenge and it's one that's like one that's not easily won because life always gets in the way and life can beat you up and um, you don't always want to be having fun. And you want to, you know, it's like, there's all these things, but I knew that I, I know that like, if I win it at this, I mean, it doesn't take much for me to think I'm winning, but for me to really win, I think I really have to like hone and hold in my hands, like fun um, and thoughtfulness around fun. And that's what doing the jazz album is going to be like. And that's what the, that's what me like changing my workflow is all about. And that's what me like staying consistent is all about. It's just like, I want to be having fun all the time and I want to be busy all the time. And um, I, I've already noticed this from releasing that one jazz single that people were like, oh, dude, hell yeah, this is sick. Cause like, this is you doing exactly what you wanted to do, you know? And you didn't have to, bend to anybody to do this and it did require a, a lot of effort to like i mean i want to you know i want to put like if i'm doing a jazz album i'm doing it all the way yeah so it's like a lot of effort it's a lot of work but it's really fun and i didn't expect it to stream well like that's the thing is like a lot of times there'll be expectations on the pop songs to like do numbers and stuff like that too which then when they don't 
I had like a guy who kind of somehow works in my the management company that I'm on. He, he like came up to me at this party and he was like, yo, what's up, Paul? I've never met you, but I've heard great things. And then we we're just talking and I was like, yeah, what's up, man? And he's like, yo, your last album didn't do so good. And I was like, wow, you're right. Thanks for saying that. And he was like, he's right. My last album didn't do so good. And I'm not really offended by it, but it is kind of a weird thing to bring up. And I did want it to do good, you know? <laughs> and like, yeah. So this okay. guy also like works with major label artists, and I'm like obviously not doing major label shit. So well, also, I mean, so number one, rude, just rude. Yeah. Two, like who who is the arbiter of good? Like in a purely like I guess he's looking at it in a mind frame that just is like, like how can someone happily listen to music if they look at it in that mind frame? Like I just don't understand. But I oh, uh, yeah, you gotta work in the music biz, bro. Yeah, they talk like that, and you just be like, you, have you watched The Idol? Uh, I started it a little bit. I'm obsessed with it. I, I mean, the <laughs> ending is not good. Like I watched the last episode. Yeah, last yeah. Night. <laughs> First couple episodes are fucking crazy, <laughs> but it is like, yeah. in some ways it, it it can be like that. The music mm-hmm. is, and I'm not really concerned with it to be honest, because there's so many freaking artists and there's just so much music, and you're like, who is this person that has 10 million monthly listeners with like a hundred and three songs that have 500 million plays? Who the hell is this? You know, you're like. Right. Like just like so unconcerned with all that, yeah. Um, but you know, at the same time, like not being concerned with it is kind of what keeps me also going. I I, I do not compare myself to other people. I really don't, and I only compete against myself. And if I keep the stakes low, I'm always having fun. Right. No, I think that's the way to go. I I really do, and. Um, I really can't wait for this record. You've got me really energized about it. Um, before I let you go, Paul, I don't want to keep you too long. Um, could you just tell me a little bit about this sort of mini tour date? You a uh, couple of tour dates you have coming up in August, uh, and what else you have in store for us? Yeah, I'm gonna go on tour in the Midwest in August: Minneapolis, Milwaukee, Chicago, Indianapolis, Toronto, and Cleveland, and then. That's like on August 9th. And then I got the album, the jazz album's coming out September 15th. I got another single coming out July 28th, I think. And then August 25th. So like singles for the next couple months. And then I'm going on tour with the jazz album straight up, like a jazz album tour in October. Hope people come to that. Can't wait. Well, thank you so much for giving me some time today, Paul. Of course, dude. Thank you so much, Patrick. Looking through my phone Messages that I know I shouldn't send Already sent We used to be a major chord You were the third and I the fourth Stuck in this And thank you for listening to the Pop Culture Nerd Podcast. Don't forget the show can be found on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. And if you like the episode, you can leave a review and follow me on Instagram at Patrick underscore Breen for more updates. See you next time. Mm
Shit, shit, shit.